to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. so excited about the ground that we have been covering during this series. I don't think anyone can say that in some shape or form what we've been teaching doesn't relate to your life. I think every one of us can say, wow, you nailed me on Sunday in areas of my life. Because why is that? We all have regrets. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Or maybe an oh my. We all have regrets regrets, and what else? None of us are living fully in the what-if possibilities that God has. So we've got regrets, and none of us are stretching into what God has for our life. But we're doing something about that. And what's the goal? The goal of this series is that you would leave your if-only regrets, that you're trading in your if-only regrets. For what? For what-if possibilities. That's our goal. Our goal is for you to see where you used to be, but I'm not there anymore because I'm trading those in for the what if possibilities of God. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that on Sunday. So what are we doing? We are handling our responsibilities, that which we are responsible to. On Sunday, we took the word responsibility. We broke it down. It has response and ability, response and ability. It's your ability, therefore, to choose your response in any set of circumstances. And it doesn't just mean taking the blame or taking the credit. It means this, that you are being accountable. Next one. You are being accountable for your response no matter what. Even if I think God's been bad, God, I'm still going to be accountable for my decisions because it doesn't mean and give me the right to live in any which way that I want. If my parents have been mean to me, if my wife's not treating me right, if my job's not where it needs to be, I am still accountable before God to be a Christian, to be a Christian, to follow after Christ, to be the example that he wants me to be. And do we have opportunities to do wrong every day? Every day. Do we have justification? Do we have an excuse for doing those things? The world says yes we do and we like to think that we do. But the word says no. The word of God tells us we don't have an excuse. We don't have reason to do wrong. But we have reason to ever live right. Because we are accountable to God for our behavior. One day we're all going to stand before God. And God's going to ask a question. And you know the question that God is going to ask you? God's not going to ask, what did others do to you? Oh, we've got plenty of answers for that. He's not going to ask us, 
What did others say about you? Oh, they've said some stuff. He's not going to say, how did others label you? No, no, no. Are you getting the picture? God's not interested in what other people have done. When you stand before him, he's going to say these words. What have you done? What have you done? He's not interested in other people. They're going to have their day before him too. But you and I are going to stand before God and have to give an account for our actions, for our life, for our just words and everything we've done. And we won't be able to on that day blame it on other people because God is looking right at you. We've got to be accountable. Why not get it right now so we'll have it right then? Because if we don't have it right then, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some big problems. So it's our chance to turn around, if only regrets, and we all have them, into what-if possibilities to make a fresh start today, to put your past in its place, the past, to leave it where it belongs and not try to bring it into your future. I love the words that I believe Paul wrote. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What is he talking about? I'm living a new life because the old me has been crucified. The old me is dead. So what does that mean? I don't have to have conversations with my past if it's dead. Because it's over. It's gone. It needs to be in the past. And I'm excited about this time of year because in a couple of weeks, you know what's happening? Easter. 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 We are approaching the greatest what-if possibility of all times. Because what if he hadn't have died for us? What if he hadn't have taken our place? But he did. But he did. Why? Because he's for you. Remember our scripture? Romans 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What should we say to life? What's going to be our response, our attitude to life? What are we going to do? Here's my response. God is for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? He is for us. But you know what else? He's also for other people. I said he's not just for you. He's for other people too. They just need to know that. And that's the real message of Easter. And now the message of the gospel is God loves mankind. No matter what we've done, He still loves us. His grace and mercy, His forgiveness is there. God's not against mankind. He is for mankind. The problem is most people don't know that. Ask most people about God. They don't have a good opinion. And ask most people about God today. They don't want to have an opinion because there are so many agnostics. There are so many atheists today like never before because they don't want to deal with the reality of God. They don't really want to deal with the reality of themselves. So they would push it all aside. There are so many people today that just don't know God. And it's up to you and I to properly remind those who have forgotten and tell and inform those that still don't know. And those opportunities are around each and every one of us every day. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. That's what I want to talk about tonight. You see, while you are on your way, 
there may be someone in your way. While you are on your way, there may be someone in your way. This is a different direction to what I planned on speaking about tonight. But God's plan is greater than anything that we could ever do. So the title of my message tonight is this. Who's in your way? Who is in your way? Because if they're in your way, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. It's not just that annoying person. It's not just that boss I don't like. It's not just that person that you just can't stand being around. If they're in your way, they are in your way for a reason. And if, here's the if, 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 if you and I recognize that and begin to seize the moments, your if can change everything. If you would realize that there's a mission field all around me, I don't have to go to foreign soil to be on the mission field anymore. My school, my college, my neighborhood, my wife, even my family's a mission field. And I've got to realize the responsibilities that have been given to me, and I've got to seize it, because if I do, everything can change. What if? Are you ready? Here's a question for you. What if? Someone hadn't talked to you. What if someone hadn't invited you? What if someone hadn't brought you to church? What if someone hadn't have helped you? I wonder where you would be today. You are here today because someone spoke to you. You're here today because someone or you were in the way of someone's life. And because they recognized why you were in the way, they were able to put you to his way. And now you're in the right way. And you are living for God. But every one of us are here today because of someone else. I believe it's time we return the favor. I believe it's time that we extend that same invitation that was given to us to other people. We've been talking over the past few weeks about who have you invited to church on Easter. What a great opportunity Easter is. It should be each and every week. It shouldn't just be an Easter deal that you should be inviting people to. But there's an open door of opportunity for people who wouldn't normally come to church. But Easter, they will. There's a great opportunity right now that we need to seize. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. You are strategically placed... To be someone's hope, future, and life. You are strategically placed by God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. It's a pretty familiar story. And most who have been in church for a while will probably know it. It's Paul and Silas in prison. It's Paul and Silas in prison. I want to begin in verse 23. And we're going to go through verse 26. And it says this. And when they had laid many stripes on them. They threw Paul and Silas into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse 24, and having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. The lowest, darkest, most miserable place, the depth, the dungeon of the prison was the place where they were placed. And they weren't just put there, they were put in stocks. But at midnight, say with me, but at midnight. 
No one likes midnight. It's the darkest time, the time of most separation. But at midnight, the darkest, most lonely, the most miserable time, what were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying and they were singing hymns to God. In man's eyes, they had every right to be angry. In man's eyes, they had every right to be bitter. What do I mean? We're going to discover that they were right in the right place at the right time. They were there because God changed their plans and put them in that place. God instructed them and led them what to do. So they are in a prison. They are in bondage because they've done the right thing. I wonder how many of us would be singing and giving praise to God. We'd be like, God, I did the right thing. And this is what, man, uh, check me out. Cut, cut me off the list. I'm done with you. This is over. No, but what are they doing? They're not angry. They're not bitter. They're trusting in God. They are trusting in God. Why? Because they understood their responsibility. Remember our responsibility? We've got to be accountable for our response no matter what. When we think God's unfair, we've still got to be accountable to our right response. When we feel God's left us, we've still got to be accountable to know that that's not the truth of God's word. So what are they doing? They are living out the life that they have preached. They're not a Sunday Christian. They're a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday Christian. They're living out the life. Are they perfect? No. But what are they doing? They're living in such a way that when everyone else would have probably turned their back, they're still singing. They're still praying. They're still turning to God. And read on. Here's why our proper response is vital. Here's why your proper response is vital. And the prisoners were listening to them. Why is your response vital? Because you don't know who is watching, hearing, seeing what you are doing. Now we've got a whole new dimension with social media. Because what your actions in a room of people had the capability of being seen by however many people were in that room. But now your actions of being one person in a room can now be seen by millions of people that you maybe don't even know through social media. That's the power of influence that you can have good or bad to other people. Oh, I'm just venting. Yes, you're venting at the expense of someone else's salvation maybe. That's not being accountable for your responsibilities no matter what. So here they are. Others are listening. Can you imagine the stir? Hey, that's those guys I've heard about. They're the preachers. They're the, well, let's see what they're going to do now. I heard them get beat. Man, I, I know that beaten all too well. We went through, let's, let's see who this God is now that they serve. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here. Would you just begin to lead us, Silas, in a prayer? Amazing grace. How sweet. What? Did I hear them right? Are they praying? Are they praising? What's the deal? What's the deal? What's the deal? And suddenly there was a great earthquake. You've got to understand something. It wasn't the moment they opened their mouths that suddenly something happened. We don't know how long it took, but when it happened, it happened suddenly. God is ready to do something suddenly. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But I'm telling you, we've got to still respond in the right way because at the right time, suddenly is about to take place into your situation. Man, I could preach that tonight. Come on, there's a suddenly that can happen in your life, but it's not going to happen if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, God, I pray, bam, where's the answer? Sometimes we have to wait 
for the answer. But waiting is not sitting like at a bus stop, passively not being engaged. Waiting is like a waiter waiting on tables that you are serving and doing your part and you are rejoicing in it because there's a suddenly that's going to come and suddenly there was an earthquake. Come on, an earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. That's really important because they were in the foundations of the prison. If just the top portion would have been shaken, they wouldn't have felt the effects of that. But it came from the very depth. Every part of that prison shook and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And you know what else happened? Another great miracle. No one left. No one left. That's another miracle in itself. You imagine going to a jail and all of a sudden every door opens. You think everyone's going to stay there? Think everyone's going to sit there and say, can I leave now, please? Can I have permission to leave? No, they're going to be running out. But no one left. Verse 28, when the jailer came, Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. We are all here. What an awesome miracle took place that night. As they prayed and sang... God brought the miracle. Yes, I, I, I believe that. I believe that. But I just want to mess with your thinking a little bit tonight. Is that okay? Was it just because they prayed and sung? Or could it possibly be that there was more? There was a greater reason. It was the praise and the worship that produced part of the miracle. But I believe that harvest a miracle of a seed that had previously been sowed. And I think so many times we can overlook this. Can we just go back a little bit in Acts chapter 16? Let's start in verse 9 and 10, and I'll show you what I mean. Verse 9 and 10, it says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, that someone he doesn't know, appears to him in a dream, in a vision, He's presented with someone he doesn't know. And what did they do? They stood there pleading with him, saying, Would you come to Macedonia and help us? Would you come and help us? Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I wonder tonight who's your Macedonia. I wonder who's the person tonight that is in your dreams or needs to be in your dreams that is crying out to you, would you notice me? Would you help me? Would you invite me? Would you be there for me? I wonder who the person is that's standing before you right now that's crying out. What's your Macedonia? Is it your family? Is it your friends around you? Is it the people you work with? Is it the people you're in school with? Your classmates? Who is it that's crying out for you? Because I want you to know something. There are cries all around us every day. And the problem is we are so busy that we don't even hear those cries any longer. So here's Paul and Silas. Where are they? In the right place at the right time. How do we know? God gave them the vision. They respond. They're right there. It's a God thing. Say with me, it's a God thing. And then we see two events or two people then came upon them. Let's read verse 14 and 15. It says this, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Tarithia, who worshipped 
God. If you would read, she actually conducted church services outside the city by the river. That's what it says. That weekly on the Sabbath, she would hold an outdoor revival by the riverbanks. So here she is outside of the city. Paul and Silas come from the city. They're right there with her. Here's a lady who worships God. And the Lord opened up her heart to heed the things that were spoken by Paul. Paul shows up and she's like, man, I'm honored. Can I, can I give the pulpit to you today? And Paul begins to minister them. Wow, their hearts are full of amazement of things that they'd never heard before. And look what it says. And when she and her household were baptized, a change had taken place. She begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, would you come to my house and stay? The Bible says, so she persuaded us. So picture this. Here's where we're at. While doing what God instructed them to do and to go where God wanted them to go, they met someone. This someone was in a good position. She had a job. She had income. She had a home. She was probably an affluent, well-to-do lady. She had everything together. She led a church group. She was doing the right things. So what do they do? They go and eat at her house. They had a good time. She was probably an awesome cook. They had a great meal. Wow, wasn't that a great night? That was probably what they said leaving her house. Wow, I really enjoyed that. But I want you to see something in all of that. In their involvement with her, there was little or no inconvenience. In fact, they weren't really inconvenienced at all because they didn't even have to look for a meal. She provided a meal. So there was no inconvenience. It was convenient for them because she provided to them something that they needed. So it was nice. It was a great moment. Let's keep reading down because now they're about to meet another person. Verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer. I'm telling you right now, it's amazing how many things will happen when you go to prayer. It happens when we pray. That a certain slave girl, okay, right off the bat, we're seeing a difference. We've got this affluent lady who has a business selling purple. She's got a home. She's got servants. She's got people. Wow, throws down a nice meal. Now all of a sudden, here's a slave girl. Everyone's seeing the, the, the difference in what's being said here. And she was possessed with a spirit of divination. And she met us. So she's possessed. She's pretty much demon possessed. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And the girl followed Paul and Silas and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Verse 18, and she did this For many days. Stop there. Please believe me. I'm not meaning to be judgmental here. And I'm not passing judgment on Paul and silence. But what seems to be happening from what I've read. Is there's a problem on the horizon. And they're doing everything within their power to ignore it. Is that fair to say? 
They're ignoring it. They're going along. Could you imagine day after day, she is with them for many days and she's screaming out to everyone, listen to them. They're telling the truth that it would have just got so annoying as she was going on and on and on and on. They noticed this. They ignored her. But what did they do to Lydia? They immediately helped her. They went to her house. That Wow, we're going to go. But what are they doing to someone who's not quite? Are you with me? I wonder what we do. I wonder about our world. Because let's bring this to our world. We're not going to judge them because we can't judge them for what they were thinking. But let's talk about what we would be thinking in that situation. Here's what I think we would think. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I'm going to get my hands dirty if I mess with that. What's going to be the benefit? What's going to be the result? Because, oh, this lady may be able to connect me to someone else. And that's a good contact to have. But this person, that's a slave person. That's someone who's demon-possessed. That's someone who, man, let's just steer as far away as we possibly can. I think sometimes, as Christians, we've become selective stoppers. We've become selective about who we want to engage in. We've been selective about, oh man, that person, oh this person, oh yeah, I'll I'll talk to them all day. That's no inconvenience for me, but oh that, that's an inconvenience. I don't want to, convenient, inconvenient. We label people and separate people in those kind of ways and we see people different and we look at the circumstances, but my God, we've got to start seeing people how God sees them. God doesn't see them as any different. God sees them as a need, just like the next person. God sees them as a soul. My God, may we start seeing people as a soul, and may we start seeing eternity in their soul, because hell is a long time to be lost. Who's in your way? Is it someone that conveniently you can talk to or is it an inconvenience that you don't want to talk to, you don't want to invite to church, you don't want to be a part of the world? Oh, Lydia's always a safe bet. But that crazy, wild, possessed chick, that's another story right there. Let's just ignore her and maybe she'll go away. Maybe she'll leave us. Remember what we said earlier? While you're on your way, maybe there's someone in your way. While you're on your way to church, I wonder who got in your way. While you're on your way to lunch, I wonder who got in your way. Who's in your way? Verse 18, and she did this for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. There's no compassion. Do you see that? There's not a compassion It's not like this spiritual moment that God spoke to him and said, see that soul, I love that. But he's annoyed, he's frustrated. He's not doing it in the right manner, in the right way. He turns to her and speaks to the spirit and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of here. And bam, it comes out. Now she's talking the truth, but she's not from the truth. Because truth and evil don't mix. And the Bible says, and that spirit came out of her That very hour, verse 19, but when the master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And then from there it gets bad 
or goes from bad to worse. They're then beaten, they're then bound, and then what? They're in the prison. That's where we began. They're now in the prison. They've charged them to be put into the prison. But then what? They prayed and they sang, and suddenly a miracle took place. Again, let me mess with your thinking. Maybe the prayer and the song weren't the reason for the miracle. But maybe it was the prayer and the song that sustained them until the miracle came. Could it be perhaps that their miracle happened because God got involved on their behalf because they got involved on someone else's behalf? Could it be that God got involved in their circumstance because they inconvenienced themselves to be involved with someone else's circumstance. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're not out doing the Great Commission, you're not on His mission. If you're not going out into the whole world and preaching the gospel, it's not selective of who I preach to. It's whoever God brings my ways. Because on my way, there's people each and every day that all around me, we're praying in church that God would put us in places and influence other people around. And we fail to realize the people each and every day that are banging into us and crying out for help. But we're just going through life, not being inconvenienced. My God, may we open up our eyes and see that the Great Commission isn't someday, it's right Right now, who is that person? Who is that slave girl? Who's that mess that's around you that each and every day is crying out because you're on a mission and your mission is not to pass anyone by? Yes, they suffered. Yes, Paul and Silas suffered. Yes, it cost them something. But you know what else happened? They played a part in winning a soul for eternity. Sharing the gospel is not always going to be a Lydia moment. You're not always going to get return and reward right there and then. Sharing the gospel can bring you through some tough circumstances. It can take some time. It can take some energy. It may cost you something. Come on, let's have a coffee. Let's have a meal. Let me pay for it. There may be some cost. Let me pick you up for church. Let me inconvenience myself for just a moment. Would we hear ourselves inconveniencing ourselves when someone inconvenienced themselves that the reason we're here today because of that? But suddenly, God will enter Because when we get involved in another person's life, God will be involved in yours. I don't know when that suddenly is going to happen. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen suddenly. If you keep doing and being what God has called you to be. Don't be a selective stopper. You know, I heard this statement today and I says this, I think we'll be very disappointed because if we expect the, wall, the world to walk into the doors of this house only, it's probably not going to happen. But need, you know what needs to happen? We, the church, needs to be prepared to walk through the doors of someone else's house, to go to their place, to love on them, to say Jesus loves you. 
that you're special, that God loves you. Again, someone inconvenienced themselves for you. Who's in your way? Because if we don't watch, we can knock them out of the way. We can go around them. Remember the good Samaritan? The guy crossed over the other side of the street. And someone who had every right not to stop and do something about it. Pushed aside racism. Pushed aside segregation of that day. Pushed aside the inconvenience and says, no matter what, put it on his own donkey. Took it to an inn. Provided while that person was there. Gave the innkeeper money and said, if any more is owed, when I return, I will pay it all in full. I wonder who you've invited to church. I wonder who it is you've been going after for Easter. I guarantee for most of us, it's Lydia. We need to find some demon-possessed servant girls. And they're all around you each and every day. People who are crying out for someone to invite them and love them and show them some life. Show them some care. Don't just make that flight. Don't just do like a drive-by and boom, here's an invite to chat. Boom, and take off. Talk to them. Pray with them. Show them they matter and have worth. Arrange to pick them up. Take them out for lunch. If you come, I'll take you out for lunch after church. Because they are in your way for a reason. And you know why? Because you're their reason. You need to be their reason. You need to be their what if possibility that can turn around their if only regrets. Because that's what God wants you to be. The scriptures say this, and I've got to close. How will they know? Unless. Unless the Holy Spirit tells them. Unless Jesus tells them. Unless the pastor tells them. How will they know unless we, me, you, I, unless we tell them about God? So what does that mean? People around you need your involvement. They need you to be involved. Get involved. Make a difference. Because your if can make all the difference. I wonder who's in your way. I wonder who you may have to go out of your way. To tell about God. There's no reason that every single one of us cannot invite someone, bring someone, minister to someone, change a life. And don't just wait for Easter and say, when you come to church, if there's a need, take their hands and say, can I pray with you right now? Because we're not promised that Easter's going to come. We could go home tonight. And that would be a big if only regret, wouldn't it? If only I had taken the time to pray with them. Would you bow your heads all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. 
but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.